Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so that we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. I'm Chris Perkins, president of CoinFund. I'm a combat Marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Luca, who's dedicated their time and resources to make this podcast possible. For episode 22, we'll be speaking with Dylan McCracken, head of sales and product, and Travis Pendleton, CTO, both at Royal. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Chris. Happy to be here. All right. So let's start off with your background. Welcome to the Vita podcast. Uh, Travis, uh, give us your background, man. Uh, yeah, I, uh, West Point grad. I did a track and football there. Uh, went into the Army, uh, commissioned as artillery officer. Uh, so you and I, Chris, are both red legs, I believe. And then um, uh, did a, two tours in Iraq. Uh, and then post, uh, post my Army time, um, worked for Ernst & Young, uh, General Motors, um, mostly in uh, soft, software and data engineering. And uh, went to the UT MBA uh, program with uh, Dylan here, uh, who convinced me to buy uh, the first Bitcoin I ever bought. Um, I wasn't an, an initially a believer. I uh, was impressed with the uh, innovation, but suspicious of the, uh, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> free trade uh, pirate version of events that were going on. Um, and so, yeah, and that's that's why I'm here. talking. Uh, to most you. important question today, what was your record against Navy? <laughs> we were winning when uh, we, were, we were winning recently, not when I was there. So oh, well, I think we, we were. Went, I think we were. I think we were three or one and three, if I remember correctly. I went zero oh and four. Do you know how miserable that was? Yeah, I, I closely appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, and, and what, what years were you in Iraq? Um, we uh, we overlapped because I did oh six oh eight, uh, you know, through the surge, and uh, and then did a oh nine uh, with a. Uh, uh, embedded with a uh, six Rocky infantry on one of the uh, combat advisor teams. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. When you were, I believe when you were in Ramadi, I was in Baghdad, or at least we overlapped a little bit there. Yeah. I, I left there by oh, five, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Not a, not, not, a, not a nice part. Ramadi flared up multiple times. So I couldn't, I wasn't sure which one you were, which flare up you were on. <laughs> yeah. We were there when it was pretty, pretty bad. But yeah. um, anyway, uh, well, well, thanks for coming on. And uh, Dylan, we'd love to get your background. So I was an enlisted. I uh, originally started at UC San Diego, had a bit of an existential dread with a call to serve. Uh, enlisted, became a 275 Army Ranger, Special Operations Combat Medic, did two tours in Afghanistan, um, went out, got out, went to uh, Columbia University. And then that's where I met an individual who was mining Bitcoin in his dorm room, who is also a fellow veteran. And uh, my first job out of college, I was working in Bitcoin ATMs. So uh, my mom was pretty upset that I did not take up JP Morgan on their offer. But uh, I, I, I had to call. I, I thought this was just one of the most radical, cool things. It was a, it was a natural progression for someone who was, uh, you know, into Ron Paul and had read Atlas Shrugged. You know, he was like, hey, have you read the, the, the Satoshi White Paper? And I was like, uh, no, I haven't. He's like, you're going to love it. And I, I did. And from there, I've, I've worked in crypto or crypto adjacent, primarily in the sales role. Um, or a solution design and consulting role. Uh, worked in uh, fintech uh, with Oracle, NetSuite, and uh, 
and most recently now Royale heading up product and sales. Awesome. Any any formative experiences in the military, either at the academy or enlisted, that that, that really shaped you going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I would say I, I think I don't want to give the, the same answer everyone gives. But PL PL time, I think, is probably you know one of the greatest experiences that anybody on the on the O side of the house has. Uh, definitely was for me. I will say I think um, formative actually uh, in uh, being a combat advisor with the Six Rocky Infantry, just because going into a space where everything you're dealing with is alien from their staff processes to the language to, uh, you know, culture and everything. And, you know, you've got a, about a month working with these guys and then you're going out on patrol with them at night. So it gets pretty, um, you know, you have to learn pretty fast. So I, I think, I think that was a, honestly a huge one for me, just as far as being able to, you know, jump into environments where I don't know what I'm doing yet or what's going on yet, you know, figuring that out rapidly. And for me, I'd say, uh, the Special Operations Cop Medic course was just a really amazing, it's the most, uh, most motivated I've ever been in an academic setting. It was riveting. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, and the training was so powerful. So, and, and succeeding there was really meaningful to me as someone who had, had dropped out of college was a little insecure about that. Um, and then it was uh, probably my, my first combat casualty and, and handling it well and earning the respect of my senior medic. That was uh, another huge one. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of, you know, formate, formative confidence building that uh, really helps you when you go into your first sales pitch. Well, you're like, hey, at least there's no gunshots going off. <laughs> yeah, even though it feels like you get shot at some of the time anyway, right? Like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it never stops. But uh, it sounds like for your transition, you both went through school. What do you think about that? I didn't. I, I, you know, I went through school while I was still in, and then I just like kicked doors in. What do you think about that as a, as a means of, of transitioning? Do you think that's the preferred approach? I think I, I, I actually upside. did. I, I didn't. So I, I'm the, more similar to you, right? Uh, undergrad yeah. than active duty. So I didn't go through the MBA program until, you know, 2019 with Dylan. Oh, I see. So tell, so, me, tell me about your transition then. I'm sorry. How was it? How did, how did it go, Travis? Uh, I, I think, I think going, um, I think going to a big company right out of, right out of the military, I think um, was a, was a good move. I don't know that everyone that's, I don't know if that's the right path for everyone, but I think going, going into a kind of an industry juggernaut, one you learn one you learn a lot rapidly. Um, they're mostly doing things the right way, or at least the, the accepted industry way. And then two, I think it's a I think it's a good initial bump to credibility. Um, you know when you, you know wherever you go from there, you're starting off with their name on your on your on your resume. I think that I think that's pretty valuable personally. Um, yeah, going the school route. I agree. Like I went to a bulge bracket bank, and it was like a university in and of itself. Like yeah. I, Part of me wishes I went to the MBA because you get an incredible network coming out of it. I think you can go either direction, but uh, I, I saw some benefits going to a big shop. Uh, Dylan, tell me about your experience of transitioning. So I was, uh, it was actually really great. And I'll, I'll plug a, a little uh, nonprofit that I've worked for or volunteered for, uh, service to school. I got linked up with a vet who was at, uh, at Columbia and they said, hey, you should apply. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I didn't really do too hot my first time in college. He was like, trust me, give it a shot. I was like, all right, let's go. Um, and I got in and it was, it was really wonderful to spend two years in New York City, a bit of a far cry from most army uh, town <laughs> outside surroundings. But um, it was uh, it was really tremendous. Um, and, you know, I, I took a divergent path from Travis. I, I actually went right into a four. It was, I think, the fifth guy on on a startup. Luckily, we were making cash right out the gate. Um, but it was fly by night. And, you know, I was owning processes. I was developing, you know, research and, and products that we were using to make strategic decision making uh, within three months of being there. So uh, that was really cool to have a lot of onus, a lot of, a lot of ownership of what I was doing. 
but I will say that uh, I sort of am inclined to agree with Travis there. Like uh, the the polish I got at Oracle was was pretty profound on me, and it you know maybe it, it worked out. But um, I would say, yeah, I, I sort of like the idea of going in through one of these veteran programs at these large tech companies, banks, consultancies, because uh, you get a ton of ton of knowledge and you also get a great network there too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me about the, the transition to crypto and like, what was the light bulb that went on? You guys touched on this a little bit. So I'll start again with you, Dylan. Like, why crypto? So it, for back then, it was, it was Bitcoin. Um, it was like, that was it. Um, and... Well, there was a fork. There was, you know, uh, BSV and all that other funky stuff. But um, for me, it really was this radical idea of uh, separation of money and state. And it was so wild that it could even be conceived or architected from a design perspective. And I was really fortunate. I had a that that uh, that fellow student and then fellow colleague who uh, was incredibly intelligent took me under his wing. And every morning while we were working for the first two hours of every day, I would just be able to ask him questions. And I would say, hey, why, why does it do this? Why does it do that? So I start learning about game theory. I start learning about cryptographic design. I start learning about you know, why block size matters. And all of these things uh, start creating this al alchemy where you start really appreciating this radical technology that is profound. It's, it's probably one of the most best designed products of all time. I mean, you can't, I, I can't think I can think of a better launch of a product over 10 years. I mean, it's, it's really radical. Um, and it, so when that, when that switch happened, I just knew, you know, I'll, I'll say this too. So we were working in Bitcoin ATMs and initially I was like, well, what's the target demo here? What's the target market? Is it, is it guys like me, like nerds who read <laughs> Barry Goldwater or, <laughs> you know, like that's not a good market. Um, and that are like, is computer savvy. That's, I don't think that's a very good market. And I saw people from all walks of life in New York city, interacting with Bitcoin and doing, making meaningful financial transactions with it. And when I saw that, even how poorly those old wallets and UXs were, I was like, okay, this isn't just uh, a pipe, a fever dream of a libertarian or someone who doesn't like the Fed. This is, this is a really profound technology that can, can really create a good impact on the world. It's funny how you started with saying separation of money and state and like so many people will group veterans and be like, no, you are the state. And I remember I, I got attacked one time on Twitter and this guy is just like, there's a veteran, like, how could we allow this? And I think it's important to note that like, we, we do think freely and, and we have views and that doesn't mean that they're not patriotic either. Um, anyway, uh, love the color. Uh, Tra Travis, what was your aha moment? Yeah, I, I wanna just tack onto that last piece too. I, I think when Dylan's talking about broad appeal, you know, to prove that outright, he's coming at it because he's, you know, hyped up about the, uh, you know, the libertarian aspect of it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not of that strain. I'm, I'm of a, I'm of a different anarchist uh, tradition, you know, kind of mentally, but it appeals to me too, for very similar reasons. Right. So I think that, you know, I think there is some broad, you know, functional appeal there. Um, and totally agree with your point, Chris, about, you know, about veterans and, and, and broad, you know, spectrum of, 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 of free thought. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, I think for me, I, I, I followed it with interest from the sideline for a long time. Um, really, the first time I ever got directly involved with it was when I was, you know, sitting by this guy in our UTMBA class as one of like three engineers, you know, in a business school, um, you know, sitting there, you know, and at a certain point going, oh, my God, they just make all this stuff up. There's no math in any of this, you know, or, or a different kind of math, right? Um, you know, and so I routinely would have to ask Dylan, you know, what, what are they talking about, right? Because I spent the last, you know, my career on the software and data engineering side, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm there to learn the language so that at a certain point, 
at that time. So at a certain point in my career, I could go be a CTO or something like that. Um, they're the ones, him uh, and Mike Maloney, our CEO, are the ones that pulled me into this. And initially, I didn't really see uh, a place for me in 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 this uh, environment. Um, but then, you know, listening to Mike and kind of doing our analysis of the other players in the space, and starting to follow the news of what's going on, you know, just and just watching company after company go down because of poor architecture, because of poor risk management, because of, you know, just ignoring any kind of compliance requirements at all. Uh, things like that. I was like, oh, oh, wow, this space has a ton of rapid innovation and a ton of brilliant people working in it. What it doesn't have, or, or at least not, it's not ubiquitous in the space is a traditional approach to software engineering, you know, traditional approach to institutional solutions, these tools that they're all building. There's so many of them that would go to market, have millions of dollars moving through them and just have some very bushly gaps in them. Like, we, they have a sole dependence on somebody else's API. And I don't mean an integration where you're talking to them and they're talking to you. I mean, a dependency It's where if, if that thing becomes unavailable, your platform goes down. You know, we saw that we saw where a human could type an address in wrong and 25 million evaporates, right? These are, these are things, uh, or entire, entire, uh, pieces of software that are based on one node in one region in one cloud center data center. Well, even in the on-prem days of every company having their own data center, nobody would do that. You would never run a significant piece of software out of one location, but that's completely normal across the, the space. So I guess long story short, what I'm saying is, you know, what brought me into it was like, oh, okay, I'm coming from the traditional software side of the house. Once, once that data leaves the chain and goes into, a, into uh, any kind of data ecosystem, it's just data. So from there, normal software and data engineering apply. Um, and, you know, when you, when you start turning this into SaaS software or other type tools and offerings, then all the traditional rules from the software industry apply. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it sideways. Dylan and and, and Mike converted me. Is really I, yeah. I poured, I poured some honey in his ear. I I so when when I started talking to him about Bitcoin, what is great you know, is Dylan got me to buy got me to buy it when it was at like three thousand. So. That's why he's your head of sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he sold me. So you know. So I was I was I was so geeked out on it. And again, like when I when we joined the program, Bitcoin was like five. Well, I, I remember his line too, Chris. I remember his line. His line was like, "Listen, we're I'm not telling. I don't think you should buy this because you know it's going to go up next year. Maybe he goes. I think that this is going to become a world transacting currency. When it does that, it's going to two hundred x. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> so. Love the, <laughs> lo, lo, love the approach you're talking around enterprise tech and really building out that redundancy and that resiliency. It takes discipline to do that. And like, those are lessons that I think we all jointly learned in, in, the, in the, the military, me and the Marine Corps. Like you, know, you need to accomplish a mission. Like what happens if, if the Lieutenant gets shot? Like, you know, maybe that was me. Uh, you know, how do you make sure that the mission goes on? So like, I, I think there's some, there's some real pertinent lessons to be, to be learned. All right. Um, let's ask about Royale. Tell us what you're building guys. All right. Should so, we start with the sales guy? Yeah, yeah, why not? So there's um there's a tremendous amount of interest in DeFi, which I think is it uh when I when I think about web three and I think about blockchains, uh I like to think of it as a uh it's an off label use case for blockchain, right? Like blockchain was designed to subvert <laughs> fiat, but because of how novel it is, there's a lot of other use cases for it. And uh DeFi is a tremendous market for it. And that's you know, anything that you can uh, that is traded through like a Bloomberg terminal, so like forex, corporate bonds, treasury bonds, equities, commodities, derivatives, you know, and on a daily basis, there's you know over 25 trillion dollars being traded daily 
in, through the with these different uh, financial instruments. And, D, and, and blockchain presents a really wonderful opportunity to disrupt that space and create a faster settlement, cheaper costs, and, and just improve the overall experience and cost structure for that entire market. So Royale wants to build a DeFi trading terminal, a la Bloomberg, but it's going to be institutionally ready where it is fully compliant, it has full risk management, and it has a it's just a broad spectrum approach to so that we can work where the real capital is, which is institutions. Understood. So it's so it's almost like competing with a Bloomberg. Then is, I would is that say the competing. best way to think about it. Yeah. I'd say like right now there's two separate circles, right? There's TradFi and there's DeFi, and I think those two circles will slowly start creating a Venn diagram where yeah. s small slivers of maybe forex or maybe it's uh, you know a lot of credit and loan tools are being generated with smart contracts right now. Maybe they start merging, and now there's an overlap. But some people are using DeFi, some are using TradFi. My our thesis is that those circles will eventually be one, and DeFi will most likely win out due to its efficiencies and uh, how how novel it is. And, the, and, and the, current, the current the current the current state of tooling for anyone that wants to interact with DeFi at any of these uh, you know entities, be they an HFT or something like that. There's really a, there's really a, only a couple options. So either you're writing your own scripts, like you have someone in house who can build, you know, who can write code and can build scripts that can interact with the chain, um, and that's a that's a fairly high level developer. They're fairly rare and they're very expensive, um, and you're building you're basically building custom code to do single functions. The other option is you go out and you use uh, what are mostly mostly retail single function, um, you know, web based tools, and you will need to execute. To look up the required, you know, look up the information that you need, try to figure out liquidity, try to figure out price, try to come up with your strategy and then execute it. You're still going to need to be on like three or four separate tools in a chain um, there. And, and meanwhile, while this is going on, you don't have any of the protections. You don't have any of the risk management and you don't have any of the compliance that would be required for an institution to do any of these things, which is the reason that they're not doing it yet. They want to. They're looking at it. There's a high amount of interest in the space, but so far. There's nobody whose whose platform is going to pass security, compliance, privacy, all the checks that you know as a vendor, you're not going to get through. The the trader can like you all day long, um, but you're not going to make it through the other the other checks to get into that corporate environment. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So right as we speak, Curve is navigating a pretty challenging situation with a hack. Uh, how would something like Rail navigate that going forward? Like, and again, I agree. Uh, there's a number of different issues around DeFi whether it's compliance, ML, KYC, security and soundness, like how do you solve for that with Rail? Yeah, so I think the first step is making sure that um, the inputs that are coming to the system, you know, price, you can set limits, you can set, uh, we have a tool called Ripcord, which is a position management tool, monitors uh, a myriad of different data points. And it says, all right, uh, let's say something like a stable coin. If this thing becomes depegged by more than three points, we're just fire selling. We're not messing around we're liquidating the entire position. That could be a pretty straightforward position management approach. Uh, there might be something more nuanced with Curve where, I mean, I think that, so that was a zero day, I believe, that caused yeah. a re-entry on a smart contract. That's right. Um, you know, in that scenario, it, once you see Curve uh, having an accelerate, I mean, I guess all positions, you can use a physics approach where there's velocity, acceleration, and position, right? So you take a factor of those three things, and if there's a certain threshold that's breached, Exit. Yep. So price acceleration or velocity over time, breach, position, breach. 
So the way the way yeah. that we've architected our ripcord tool, that the position manager tool that uh, Dylan's talking about, is you know you've got parameterized settings that you can put in place. So you know if if X if X uh, metrics are met, then uh, you know you then we will then you will exit this position in an automated fashion. And it's also it makes use of our pathing uh, algorithm, which is something that we've already got um, written and tested. But basically, that then looks at where how can you exit? What are the routes to exit through various DEXs? through various coins and what, you know, what is the most advantageous way to do that? Um, so you have that set and, and ready and it's parameterized. So when that state is met, it automatically executes and, and gets you out of that position. Got it. So there you are, you're building, you're trying to change the world. What's a typical day like? We, have, uh, we, have, two, we have two meetings a day. <laughs> <laughs> we have an early morning meeting, uh, early, late, late uh, PM meeting. Everything between is, uh, I'd say improv improvisation and jazz um, with some steady state uh, long-term goals over time. And then we generally probably, we're, we're probably good for two or three, like six, seven hour working sessions after 5 p.m. a week. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know, I don't know why that's our battle rhythm, but that's our battle rhythm. Yeah. Oh, I, love I, know, it. I know why, because we have, some of us have other jobs. Yeah, that's, that's why. But it's, it's clear that you love it. So uh, I hope you can keep it going. Uh, any recommendations for vets trying to get into the space? Get a mentor. Nothing better than a mentor, man. It, it, it speeds everything up, gives you guide rails, allows you to put your foot in your mouth a few times in the privacy of someone who wants you to mature and, and uh, grow into that space. I think that's, that's invaluable. If you can find a mentor, yeah, that's just, it's going to exponentially increase your, your quality of work and your quality of thought. We, uh, we were listening to some of your previous episodes and we, we were talking about that question and um, kind of dovetailing back to something that we brought up earlier. Uh, we also, like Dylan and I were in agreement on this, that we think in, in some cases, in, depending on what you want to offer to the space, you know, what, what you think your role is in the space and it companies in this space, et cetera, um, your best option may be to go to someone who has credibility and Oracle, uh, you know, or, or something like that and learn, you know, learn, learn that industry skill set, you know, be that you know, say two years or something like that. Um, and then you can come back and target crypto companies that are hiring. I know the Air Force veteran that was just on was talking about, you know, they're, they've got open positions, stuff like that. Well, now, now you have competitive industry skills and you have everything that you bring to the table soft skill wise from your military time. Um, but you, you have industry credibility as well. So they're not having to take you and teach you from zero. So I think that's, I think that's a good route too. If you're coming in from the tech side, especially, I think that, uh, I think that can be crucial. Do you think a tech background is necessary to be successful here? I don't. I feel like Dylan understands the wider ecosystem better than I do. And I've got way more of a tech background than he does. So I, I don't think so. Any thoughts about diversity? Two Army guys uh, interested in hiring any Marines or Navy or Air Force? <laughs> yeah. there's, a there's a physical fitness test that's involved, and it's pretty rigorous. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean – I've, I've worked with all, all different branches. That's one of the great things about, about JSOC. You get to work with all different branches in your life. You know how you know Dylan was in JSOC? He thinks that, that, that the Army Marine uh, fit, fitness comparison is a good one. Yeah, bro, from <laughs> JSOC it is. Army's not, you take the Army writ large, it's not going to do so well against the Marine Corps uh, just, by, just by the math. Well, well, just to protect our credibility. Uh, but, but like, the, Marine, I, the Marines have the advantage that all of their logistics bulk of their log units are Navy. So they're like, oh yeah, look how tight and fit we are. It's like, 
Yeah, if you took just our light infantry units, that's what we look like too. Keep going, Travis. I like I like this direction of travel. Let's keep going. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, got, I got you four out of the last five years in the Army Navy game. So, yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, are you guys doing any hiring right now? You, you you're building out the team right now. We're fundraising. After that that fundraising round is closed, we will be building out the team. Uh, again, you know, we'll we'll always want people with horsepower. I think if you're non-technical and you want to be, you're interested in sales. Uh, you know, the world always will need BDRs and that's the, the road of hard knocks of learning how to be a, a biz dev rep um, and then maturing into an AE. That's a, it's a great path. Uh, you know, one of the things that I got over with sales is I always imagined the sleazy car salesman. Uh, and that's not what sales is at all. Sales is really about being a project manager and an evaluation and educating and being enjoyable to talk to, uh, demonstrating value. Really, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket surgery. Um, and it's, it's a really fun career. Um, so I think for vets that are looking to, to move in, yeah, I, I, I could, I think a Marine wouldn't mess we, that up. I mean, we absolutely also, you know, one of the, so we know, we know who our next, we know who our first 10 employees would be, right. Uh, if we got funded tomorrow and, you know, an operations officer is, is on that list. Right. And we would absolutely obviously take a, a veteran for that position. We, that's actually who we've intended to target, you know, for a long time for, um, that role specifically, and then uh, engineers—they're—they're they're rarer, but yeah, you know that position is 100% open to someone from that background. So, last question: How does somebody prepare for that point? Right, they're in the army right now. They're—they're—they want to get into the space. They heard the podcast. They love crypto. What do they need to do to prepare themselves to have a successful interview with you guys? I think the first step is—is is radical candor and transparency. You know. Um, I when I when I first got out of the military, I tried to you know study about a, a a field or a career and try to be a subject matter expert on it in two days or one week or two weeks before an interview. That's just not it's not a winning success. Go in say hey I'm eager I'm motivated here are my credentials this is what I've, I've been successful in be a clear communicator, and the world needs people like that. There's there's never going to be a world where that's not a valuable asset. Um, so I would say. You know, hey, have an idea of what you want to do, what you can contribute, and then when all else fails, it's about horsepower. I also think, uh, and I think Dylan's a good example of this, but I also think that like uh, paying attention, you know, listening to podcasts like this, reading the news articles that come out, um, you know, having you don't have to understand the white papers, but having read them and understanding, you know, the systemically what this what what the underlying structure looks like, and just being aware of the space and following the space. So when you get into that room. Even if you don't have one-to-one -one experience with the job that you're interviewing for, you you know the ecosystem, uh, you know, and you know the operating environment, and so you can you can get up to functional contributing speed much more rapidly, and that and you'll communicate that if you can carry on a conversation and kind of hang in a discussion about you know current events uh, in in this space. Yeah, totally. It moves so fast, doesn't it? Um, awesome. So, how how can people connect with you? I'm on Twitter at Dylan McCrypto. I have no followers, so you, you can be my first. We do have our website, and we do. Uh, Mike, Mike Maloney, our CEO, is is quite active on uh, our Twitter. Um, at, uh, is Blockchain Mike, I believe. Is yeah. yeah. And then always feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Um, and if, if you are thinking about going the school route, again, I'll plug it one more time. Services School is tremendous. They help enlisted and officers get into grad schools and uh, universities. It's a truly wonderful program. 
can't recommend it enough. I, I will, uh, I accept every invite from everyone who's a veteran, even if I know that they're just immediately going to pitch me, uh, you know, financial uh, advisor. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome guys. Really enjoyed our discussion today. Really appreciate coming in on Dylan and Travis. And uh, we're really lucky to have guys like you operating in the space, wishing you all the luck on the raise. Um, and, and thanks for, uh, for giving back by coming on. Also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca. Uh, really appreciate these guys. They do this uh, for free and, and, and uh, we're very grateful. And for those of, of you who are interested in learning more about Vita, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter, join our Discord. And if you have recommendations for anyone else who should come on, uh, please hit me on Twitter at PerkinsCR97. Thanks again, gents. Thanks for having us, Chris. Appreciate it. Real pleasure. Thank you.